2: Today, three Horatio Hornblower adventures. The Admiral Hornblower adventures were the literary creation of C.S. Forrester, who took actual stories from British naval heroes Lord Nelson, Sir George Cockburn, Lord Cochrane, Sir Edward Pellew, Jeremiah Coughlin, Sir James Gordon, and Sir William Host. The actions of the Royal Navy at that time, documented in official reports, provided much of the material for Hornblower's fictional adventures. And by the way, the name Horatio was inspired by the character in William Shakespeare's Hamlet and chosen also because of its association with contemporary figures such as Nelson. Reviews for 1001 Radio Days are always appreciated. Thank you. Today's stories, Horatio deals with a mad king. And the second story, Horatio captures the Natividad. Both stories are full of action and adventure, and we hope you enjoy them very much.
3: All our hands, beat to quarters. <laughs> Run out the gun. Stand by this covered battery.
4: One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target. Lynn's stops ready. quarterdeck in the burning sun on that morning long ago. I was far from smiling. So as not to imperil my mission, I'd been obliged to turn over the natividad to the madman Don Julian, who called himself Divine, Almighty, El Supremo. Now he was coming aboard to murder my prisoners, the Spanish officers. I was determined to save them at least.
0: Come here, you. Are you the Spanish sailing master? Yes, you know. Uh, what is that image beside the tap rail there? It, it it it's of the Virgin and Child, you know. Throw it overboard!
4: I prefer to have the pleasure myself.
3: Oh, no. Oh, no.
4: So now. She's the youngest of your mates.
3: I am, senor.
4: Very well. You will hold up your hand and declare your disbelief in any other divine lord than our gracious El Supremo. Hello. Hello. Up with your hand. So. Now repeat after me. I
3: swear. I... I swear. Oh, no. No,
0: senor. No, I cannot. I dare not. No. Then... I shall not need you, shall be. <laughs> oh, Lieutenant Mario, uh,
3: oh. throw that overboard. No, the next man, you swear your disbelief.
4: There was no further trouble from the officers. They took the new oath, one by one, as indeed they were. Oh,
3: must. you see, men. And de Crespo spoke to the crew.
4: A mixed collection of Spaniards, Chinese, Negroes, Indians. Sweeping Spaniards
0: from the dominion of America. Within year the whole of the land from Mexico to Peru will be at his feet. There will be an end of Spanish
4: misrule, of brutal domination, of slavery in mine and team.
3: There will be land for everybody. Freedom and happiness under El Supremo. Alternative you have seen. Now, who is for El Supremo? I am. I am too.
0: Thank you too, Captain. I think there is no more need for your prize crew now. Should any insubordination arise
4: later, I shall be able to deal with it. I'm quite sure you will. Mr. Gerard, you will order your crew to withdraw and return to the Lydia. As my boat pulled me back to my ship, I reflected bitterly on the murder of the Spanish master's mate. But there was nothing I could have done. At all costs, I must not fall out with Supremo or his followers while my orders remained uncompleted. As I reached my own deck, the boom of a gun from the Natividad was answered by one from the Lydia. A new flag was flying from the peak of the Natividad, blue with a yellow star in middle. Fire six! If I hadn't been born a ruddy fool, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> Fire seven! I I've left my wife and I left my home and everything that's dear. Fire eight! Came riding down to the beach with his ragged retinue. And I met him there. As we rode out to the Lydia, I ran my eye over the ship to see that all was ready to receive our ally with full military formality. But before he mounted the ladder, he remarked, The correct salute for me, Capitan, is twenty-three guns. <clears throat> Bush, uh, pass the word to Mr. Marsh for 23 guns. <laughs> Don't look so stricken, Mr. Bush. It's two more than His Majesty himself receives. It's entirely meaningless. Right, Dinner will be served shortly, El Supremo. Would you care to come below? I will dine here alone. Let the food be brought to me misery and embarrassment of our makeshift dinner in the gunroom, into which we crowded with Supremo's retinue,
3: was mercifully cut short by the
4: arrival of the officer of the watch. Uh, I beg pardon, sir, but there's a messenger from the shore. I, I can't understand a word he said. Oh, very well, I'll come on deck. Um, I think you'd better accompany me, Mr. Bush. Thank you, sir. Uh... Dabbed murderous gang. of cats hoots
0: him in life. Soldiers, they call him. I give a week's back. He does know what the captain's up to. Eh, he don't stand what he's standing from this supreme of another. Well, oh, here
3: we are. they alongside. Come on, handsome,
0: up that ladder. Up the ladder, I say. We aren't sitting here all day. Lord, he's
3: as awkward as a powder monkey. Let's not his lastest old stand from under.
4: He's
3: trying to go swimming, oh,
4: is he? Oh, oh, it? He can't swim. Ah, we'll have to push him out. Ah, all right, I'll oh, oh. go in for him. Oh. Here, out the way, there.
3: Well, here goes. You're <laughs> <him> conscious. Stop <laughs> wriggling
4: yeah. from there, wriggling, or else I'll let you
3: go. All right, all right now. <laughs> I've got him. <laughs> Come on board, the captain. The cops are coming. Right, now, go on up the ladder. Come on, i have come behind you to see you get up
4: this time. Well done, men. I'll see you get an extra top for that piece of work. Now, get that man below and find him some dry clothes. Capitan, oblige me by hanging those two men from the yardarm. What? I said, please hang that clumsy fool of a soldier. I will not have fools in my army. And your seaman must be hanged for daring to save a man. I would prefer to have been drowned. Uh-huh. With all due respect, Supremus, if I did what you wish, my men would no longer respect me. And it's essential for the success of our venture, yours and mine, that I should keep the loyalty and love of my crew. Love? Uh, Captain? Uh, I will show you loyalty. Where is that scum who fell into the sea? I am here. I shall be merciful because it pleases me to be so. I was going to hang you, but instead I gave you permission to drown. Thank you, Supreme. Thank you. Blimey,
0: he's going to jump overboard. So, and
4: now, captain, you will of course hang your man. I bow to your wish, Supremo, but uh, <clears throat> may I not have the honor of following the lesson you have so kindly taught me? I do not understand you, Captain. Allow me to demonstrate. Um, uh, Harvey, come here. I'm here, sir. You have displeased El Supremo, Harvey, which means uh, <coughs> death. I give you permission to go. Permission to? <laughs> oh, thank you kindly, sir. the vanity of Supremo was so colossal that it apparently never occurred to him that Harvey was probably the finest diver and swimmer in the British Navy. I landed my mad and cutthroat ally, El Supremo, at the port of La Libertad, and he disappeared with his murderous army in the direction of El Salvador. For the space I was free of him and all his works, and no longer under the necessity of pretending to pay him homage. The sky was blue, the sea was blue and silver. In my pleasure, I so far forgot myself as actually to converse with Lieutenant Bush. Well, it's pleasant to be at sea again, Mr. Bush, with our uh, ship to ourselves. It's better than a tonic, sir. Harvey's glad to return to work, too, sir. He <laughs> didn't like hiding in the cable tier after we picked him up. Uh-huh. It uh, mightn't be a bad thing, sir, if that fellow uh, Supremo happened to get killed in the fighting. Well, I don't know, Mr. Bush.
3: Hey, Sail? Where away? Of windows, running down to us under all sails,
4: sir. don't like the look of our gun sir. She's hope too, just out of range. Wait, she's setting about, sir. <laughs> the dinghy danced jerkily across the water, and presently a man came scrambling up the ladder. So many strange figures had mounted that ladder of right? late. This new arrival wore the full dress of the Spanish Royal Navy, and his epaulets gleamed in the sun. He came forward and bowed. Captain
0: Hornblower. I am Captain Hornblower. Captain Manuel Diaz at your service. I have to welcome you as the new ally of Spain. Uh, uh, ally of Spain? Is this a jest, sir? <laughs> sure, it is. No jest, Captain. I've been seeking you for the past four days. Let me explain. Please. Last month... Napoleon Bonaparte stole our King Ferdinand from us and has named his brother Joseph King of Spain. In consequence, the Spanish government has signed a treaty of perpetual alliance and friendship with His Majesty of England. This do you doubt me, sir, I have here some letters. One from your admiral in the Leeward Islands, sent over land from Portobello, one from His Excellency the Viceroy Peru, and one from mm, the English lady Thank
4: you. Um, And
0: be good enough to pardon me while I retire to
4: study these documents. Uh, Mr. Bush, uh, you will entertain Captain Diaz until my return. Aye, 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 sir. sir. Senor Diaz, um, everything appears to be in order. Senor? Greetings to our new allies. I am proud to be
0: serving with Spain against the Corsican tyrant. Thank you, Captain. You were very much afraid lest you should fall in with the Natividad before you heard the news, because she has not heard it either. Uh, in that case, I'm afraid your fine frigate would have come to serious harm. <clears throat> uh,
4: Navit, uh, bring the prisoners up from the cable tier, quickly. All
3: right, sir.
4: I regret to have to tell you, senor, that by evil chance the Natividad met us a week ago.
0: You met the Natividad? I plunged feverishly into an
4: explanation, but it was not easy to tell a Spanish captain that I'd captured a ship twice my power without receiving one shot, nor to explain that the ship was now under the flag of El Supremo. Then,
0: a fresh and harassing aspect of the situation struck him. Something must be done. The Manilla galleon is at sea. She's due to arrive at Acapulco next month with priceless treasure. The natividad will intercept her and... Oh, our might well bankrupt our government. Very well, sir. My duty is plain. I will take my ship back to fight the Natividad. Thank you, Captain. You will call at Panama first to consult the viceroy? Yes. Then I will bid you goodbye for the time being. If I reach Panama first, I will arrange your welcome. Thank you, sir.
4: You see, Mr. Bush, the situation is complicated. It's not your fault, sir. After all, you have only obeyed your admiralty orders. The lords of the Admiralty will not allow such a small point to influence their opinion of a captain and his officers, who are the cause of such trouble, Mr. Bush. Ah, I feel you're right, sir. However, there's another and more pressing matter. Lady Barbara Willsley is at Tanamar and desires a passage in the Lydia to Europe. Sir, how could we carry such a lady in the Lydia? Ah. A frigate is hardly equipped for comfort. That is what I shall have to point out to the lady. So if she has the normal Wellesley blood in her, I suspect I should be wasting my time. I was soon to have an opportunity of finding out at first hand. We sailed into the roadstead of Panama the next morning. There's a lady in the boat, sir. An English lady, I think. Wants to come aboard, sir. Uh, she seems disinclined to wait for permission, it seems. We shall uh, take no action, Mr. Bush. Mm hmm. One of those masculine women. No real woman would catch and climb a rope ladder like that. Besides, what's an English woman doing in Panama without a male escort? Mr. Midshipman, please be so good as to
1: have my luggage brought up out of the boat.
4: Oh, well,
1: there's the captain, madam. Yes, so I see. But well, please have my luggage brought up while I speak to him.
4: I faced an internal struggle. I disliked the aristocracy. I could not forget that as a doctor's son, I had had to touch my hat to the local squire. It would be foolish for a poverty-stricken frigate captain with no influence to offend a member of such a family as the Willsleys. For the present, I decided on icy formality. Are
1: you the captain of this ship, sir?
4: Captain Hornblower, at your service, ma'am.
1: Well, I'm Lady Barbara Wellesley. I wrote you a note requesting a passage to England. I trust you received it?
4: I did, ma'am, but I do not think it wise for your ladyship to join this vessel.
1: Please tell me why, sir. Because, ma'am,
4: we shall shortly be in action with the enemy. Also, we shall have to return to England via Cape Horn. Your ladyship uh, would be well advised to make your way to Portobello. From there, you could reach Jamaica and obtain a berth in a West India packet, which is accustomed to female passengers.
1: I have informed you, sir, that there is yellow fever in Portobello. Yes, ma'am, but... A thousand persons died of it last week. That is why I removed to Panama.
4: May I ask why your ladyship was in Portobello?
1: Because, sir, the West Indian packet in which I was a female passenger was captured by a Spanish privateer and brought there. I
3: see.
1: I regret, sir, that I cannot tell you the name of my grandmother's cook. But I shall be glad to answer any further questions which a gentleman of breeding would ask. But
4: but we are going out to fight. To fight a ship of twice our force, it will be dangerous.
1: (laughs) I would rather be on your ship, whomever you have to fight, to be in Panama with a yellow fever.
4: Uh-huh. Well, what of Kate Horn, ma'am?
1: Well, I have no knowledge of it, but I've twice rounded the Cape of Good Hope during my brother's governor generalship, and I have never yet been seasick. Uh-huh. Well, soon, Captain, I will come to think that I shall be unwelcome aboard. I can hardly imagine that a gentleman holding the King's commission would be discourteous to a woman, especially to a woman with my name.
4: I... Uh... I was only doing my duty, ma'am, in pointing out the dangers to which you will be exposed. For myself, um, nothing would give me greater pleasure than your presence. Now to Lady barber If I offended this lady, I might well never command the ship again. And my wife and I might rot on half pay for the rest of our lives. I was 37 and not more than one eighth of the way up the captain's list. The goodwill of the Wellington's might enable me to reach flag rank.
1: Begging your pardon, but your luggage is aboard, sir. Oh, thank you. It'd be so kind as to give this to the boat, But, ma'am,
4: uh, there will be no room in your cabin for a tenth of that luggage.
1: I am aware of that, sir. I have dwelt in a cabin before. That sea chest will hold all I require. The rest can be put where you will. And now, may I see my cabin? Well,
4: you see, your ladyship, a frigate has few of the luxuries of an indiaman.
1: I was just thinking that it was scandalous that a king's officer should be given such quarters.
4: And as I left to pay my call on the viceroy. Where shall I serve her
1: ladyship's dinner, sir? don't know, Puss.
4: Ask her, Blastu.
3: Speak to quarters. Come out the guns. Stand by
4: this starboard battery. One broadside into it, if you please, Captain Bush. Pointers on target.
3: Lintstock ready.
4: Seafaring career. But as I look back now, I can remember none graver than that which faced me as I prepared to sail in my frigate in search of the Natividad. I had captured her before in harbor, by night and by surprise. Now I must meet her on the open sea, where her enormous superiority in firing force must give her the advantage. Well, that was bad enough. But now I had the additional responsibility of a high born and influential passenger. Lady Barbara Wellesley. When I returned to the ship after calling on the Viceroy at Panama, I summoned Bush, my first lieutenant, to my cabin. Mr. Bush, where's Lady Barbara? She's on the quarter deck, sir. I had the carpenter knock up a hammock chair for her. Huh? I had a bit of awning reach so as to give her some shade. Mr. Bush, the Lydia is a frigate about to go into action, not an Indiaman with nothing to do but to pamper passengers. Uh, no, sir. If Lady Wellesley takes advantage of her position and forces me to carry her to England, I cannot refuse. But this is no reason why my ship should be turned into a, 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 a boudoir. Uh, no, sir. Confound you, Bush. Can't you say anything but no, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, forgive me, sir, but uh, it would have been highly dangerous for her ladyship to stay ashore with yellow fever spreading as it is. Mm. So she seeks safety by coming aboard a ship which is about to fight an enemy twice its size. you, Mr. Bush, no good will come of this. If we win the battle, we shall be censored for exposing her ladyship to danger. If we lose it, oh, we shall... I cannot be... imagine you losing any battle, sir. Not if it was the whole Spanish fleet, instead of just one ship. Yes, when I want your opinion, Mr. Bush, good or otherwise, I will ask for it. How am I going to place my quarter deck with a woman sitting there? The thing I've just thought is my, my shower bath under the pump on deck. Look, um, have a screen rigged. See that the crew are warned about dress too. Um, in this heat, most of them work half naked. Aye, aye, <laughs> sir. She was still on the quarter deck when I went to attend to the business of getting the ship underway. It was infuriating.
3: HEAVE! 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 Oh. Cable's falling, sir! The anchor's foul, sir!
4: My mind had to juggle with many factors at once. The drag of the cable on the bows, the pressure of the wind on the driver on topsail, the set of the tide... The increasing sternway, the amount of cable still to run out. When I sail forward, I must do so dead in line with the anchor, with no slack in the cable, or we might well bring the masts and rigging about our ears. Harder, starboard.
3: Starboard again, sir. Uh, smartly
4: with the braces now. Now she's checked, Mr. Bush. She's moving forward. Mr. Bush now, hands aloft, set every sail that'll draw. All
3: hands aloft. All right. it, quickly, take in the cable.
4: Yes, but we mustn't sail up to our anchor with too much speed on it. When I give the order, Mr. Bush, we shall see how well you've drilled your crew. Those sails must come off her like lightning, or if we're not to be taken aback. They will, sir. I swear, they the crew. Stand by. Now,
3: take over, sail, Cautious, touch, and go.
4: Standing out of the gulf close hauled, that I was free to communicate to Lady Barbara the news I had heard from the Viceroy. In any case, good manners necessitated that I should address her. I couldn't ignore her presence, however much I might resent it. She sat in her hammock chair by the taffrail, her servant Hebe, the negress, at her feet. She was in animated conversation with Gerard, the officer of the watch, and I noted with amusement that Gerard broke off the conversation and moved away as I approached. Acknowledged
1: my bow with a smile. Oh, it's heavenly to be at sea again, Captain. And may I congratulate you on your amazing seamanship in raising your anchor. Uh, <clears throat> also, you've given me no opportunity to tell you how grateful I am to you for taking me away from Panama. I was treated well enough, but well, I was in charge of Her Excellency. An admirable woman, but oh so dull. In Spanish America, women are treated like Mohammedans. And Spanish American food. Oh, <laughs>
4: on the latter point, I agree heartily, Your Ladyship.
1: Well, will you not sit down, Captain?
4: Sit down on my own deck. Well, thank you, Your Ladyship, but I've never done such a thing in my life. If you'll forgive me, I prefer to stand. I, um, <clears throat> I came to give you good news. Uh, your brother, Sir Arthur, has won a great victory over the French in Portugal.
1: Oh, a great victory? Well, oh, that is very good news. I've always been proud of Arthur, and it makes me prouder still.
4: Well, I am happy to be the first to congratulate his sister.
1: Oh, Captain, just look at that setting sun. One almost expects to hear a hiss as it sinks into the sea.
4: Yes, I endeavor never to miss the sunset in these waters, Your Ladyship. It's a a daily miracle. Ah, beautiful. Exquisite. I hope Your Ladyship was well provided for during my absence ashore. If there's anything further that lies within my power... Well,
1: there's just one thing, Captain, that I should like to ask as a favor. What is that? That is that you do not call me Your Ladyship. Call me Lady Barbara, if you will.
4: Certainly, uh, (coughs) Lady Barbara.
1: And if Lady Barbara doesn't come easily to you and you wish to attract my attention, you can always say... uh, (coughs) Mm. Oh, Captain, I'm so sorry. Please accept my apologies. I realize now that to mock you was quite unforgivable.
4: There is nothing to forgive, ma'am. And now, if you will forgive me in your turn, I must attend to my duties.
1: One moment, please. Captain... I know that you've much on your mind. I know that before you sail for home, you must fight the Natividad. Will you tell me, what are your prospects in that battle?
4: Well, the Natividad ma'am, is a two-decker with 50 guns against my 36. She is commanded by Vice Admiral de Crespo, a ruthless and bloodthirsty man who will never surrender. Whatever his faults, he's no coward. But against his force, I have perhaps a little experience. Capable and loyal officers and a very
1: well-trained crew. And they are English. That counts for much. You may be frank with me, Captain. What will happen if we should lose?
4: If I or my crew are taken alive, we shall be hanged or tortured. El Supremo will show no mercy to us for having turned against him. And you... Yeah, it shall be my last care to see that you do not fall into the hands of De Crespo, uh, alive.
1: Thank you, Captain. But you're not to worry about me, nor to allow my presence to influence you. Should it come to the worst, I too am English and a Wellesley. I know how to die.
4: courses and to gallant supper, Mr. Bush. Uh, aye, aye, sir. Hands to Shorten, sir. Lady Farmer, you. you ought to be below. I'm
1: afraid we're going to have a stiff gale. Oh, no, Captain. This is too delicious after the heat.
4: It's your health,
1: ma'am, about which I'm anxious. If salt water was harmful, sailors would die young. Oh, well, this is
3: really... Stand down! Sail
4: with you and stay in the cockpit until the action is over. No, no, not the cockpit. We'll leave that for the wounded. Go to the cable tier. Captain! I have no time to discuss the matter, ma'am. Mr. Clay, conduct her ladyship to the cable tier. See if she is safe before you leave her. Those are my orders, Mr. Clay. Mr. Bush's incessant drilling of the crew showed its value now. Every man knew his job and did it swiftly and well. The decks were soused with water and strewn with sand. The bulkheads were knocked away. The fire parties took their places at the pumps. The boys ran with cartridges for the guns. And down below, the acting surgeon was dragging the midshipman's chests together in the cockpit to make an operating table. more this thing gets up, the better, sir. The won't be able to open a lower gun port. No. I'll probably have two wreaths taken in those topsails. Aye, aye, sir.
3: Top below! Two right to reefs in the topsail. Right
4: uh, excuse me, sir. With all this spray breaking aboard, do you think we can rely on the flint triggers for the guns? Or shall we have the slow matches lit at the tubs? Yeah, better like the matches in best. Wheel that steer a uh-huh. small blast here. The, for, both ships are approaching each other at an angle. Steer so that when we meet, our ship has the wind under the other. Do you understand? Aye,
3: aye, right, sir.
4: Look, sir, there's a puff of smoke. She's open fire. That's a fool to waste powder and shot at such range. Never forget, Mr. Bush, a first broadside discharge in close quarters with guns carefully loaded. by crews with time to think is worth ten under any other circumstances. Yes, sir. we we'll would be passing mighty close, sir. If we both stay on this course, in fact, we'll meet bow to bow. No telling who had the weather gauge. That was closer. Here comes another... That got us Two men down at number four gun, sir Christmas We're going to shave her close. Stand by, Mr. Rayner Fire as your guns bear We'll have What the hell, Melinda? Oh,
3: Over the oh. Now, hold her as she comes on
4: at last, my nervousness and fear of some fatal error was gone. I stared across the tossing sea at the Natividad. I could see the crespo up on the poop. The fellow actually had the insolence to wave verily at me. We'd had the advantage from our manoeuvre, two broadsides into it at close range, with only one shot in reply. But now, we had to pay for it. I saw the rudder of our opponent kick over, and the next moment the two-decker had swung round and was hurtling down upon us. After- we shall have a broadside from her, too. Fire! Stop the and the smoke clears. Fire as you will! The Crespo was evidently unable to trust his crew to fire independently and was working them to the word of command. He was doing it well, too. At intervals, as the sea permitted, her lower deck ports were opening like clockwork, and her big twenty-four pounders were vomiting flame and smoke.
3: What work is sir? Yes. Mr. Bush, half the dead
4: carried away from the guns. The crews cannot work properly. Men have better lie on the deck and drag them. It's death to stand in that iron hail. And uh, Mr. Bush. The Natividad's superior force is too great for us to continue this close work. We shall have to use cunning if we're to survive. It's a pity, sure, but I'm afraid you're right. Answer the braces. Now, Mr. Bush, t- back the main topsail a trifle to take way off us. And let the Natividad get ahead. hurry. Aye, Aisha. Now, Tack ship and run across our stern. Abroadside, Mr. Gerald. Hi, Aisha!
3: Attack again. Come on, back. Hey, back across our stern. Your guns, Mr. up
4: Glorious. Damn, my height. Glorious. Uh, too broadside. Uh, uh, into her stern. She's too uh, big of country to deck about like us, sir. Yes, save the satisfaction for the end. She's coming back at us. Oh, oh she is, sir. And uh, her lower gun ports are open as well this time. i going to take some real punishment now. There's De the Crispo. Drilling like a knife. I hope he was killed, right. Sir in our broadsides. Here she comes. Oh, what we're about to receive. of how I can maneuver my crippled ship and continue the fight. Stand the braces.
3: Mr. Bush, we'll try
4: and bring her into the wind. We will uh, to starboard.
3: Starboard, sir.
4: Stand to your guns, men. Fire. The wind. Uh, Jesus, helpless as we are. No! <laughs> Confound it! The gale is blowing us fast. Ceasefire, then. You're only wasting your sight with this range. Uh, with a mission gun sir I can't get enough leverage to sail into the wind. No, it's infuriating, But she's in the same trouble. Mister Bush, the ship which is ready for action again first will win this battle. Aye, aye, sir. I get that. Oh, Bush, oh, you're hurt. Oh, yeah. oh, it's only a matter of block off oh, the head. Oh, uh, oh, Uh, I'll tidy it up for now. Are you all right, sir? Heaven's sake, don't stand there asking questions like a fool. I'm standing, aren't I? Get this deck cleared up so we can move. Lady Barbara, who gave you permission to come on deck? My orders were for you to stay below. The deck is no place for you.
1: I can see that, Captain. I've no intention of obstructing you. I propose to lock myself in my cabin. Ah,
4: oh, your cabin?
3: So yes,
1: please allow us to go to my cabin, sir.
4: <laughs> there is no cabin left for you, ma'am. I reject. Four broadsides of 24 pound shot from the exhibit that have passed through your cabin, ma'am, and what is left of it wouldn't shelter a fly. Oh, dear. Well, then we've much to do to make our ship ready to fight again.
1: I. Uh, very well, Captain. But your coat is torn, sir. You are bloody. Can I help you at all?
4: Yes, ma'am. You can help me and all of us by going back to the cable here.
1: I offer my humble apologies, Captain.
4: Mr. Bush, you will no doubt appreciate the situation. Uh, Yes, sir. We must a jury must and get back into battle as soon as possible. Impress on the men, Mr. Bush, that their lives and liberty depend upon speed. The first ship ready for action is going to win this battle. As Forrester's indomitable man of the sea, Horatio Hornblower. that terrible day when the probability of death and defeat stared me in the face but i can close my eyes even now and feel again that exhaustion and faintness that i dared not let any man see it was a nightmare pause in a nightmare battle two partially disabled ships drifting rapidly apart and each with no purpose than to patch its wounds and return to destroy the other I can see that the had a Now the score's cleared, sir. How does she bear? About two points on the starboard beam, sir. Ah, there. Uh-huh. She's so too. Looks a bit lopsided without her foremost. Hmm. She mm. seems to have made no attempt as yet to rig a new one. Well, as soon as we can carry it and sail aft, so as we can beat the wind, we'll have her at our mercy. We must try and do it before nightfall, Mr. Bush, and, and, or we may lose her altogether in the dark. And uh, now what's this? the funeral party, sir. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> They're already moving out there. Uh, <clears throat> How many? Fourteen, sir. Uh, Very well. Mr. Bush, have all hands stop work, but remain where they are. I intend no disrespect to the dead, but this ceremony must be swift or the living may be endangered. Aye, aye, sir. Yes. Therefore, commit their bodies to the deep. I think we checked the leaks now, sir. The sail is fathered under the bottom and seems to be holding been able to release all but 20 men from the pumps. Sure Good. Everything ready now for hoisting the mast? All ready, sir. Right. Now, Mr. Bush, it is important that nobody should haul or carry out any movement except my orders. I shall try to use the pitching of the ship to help in the raising of the mast. And if any man acts without my orders, I'll have him flogged. Aye, aye, sir. Hands to the windlass. Mr. Jellar, attend to those swings. Aye, aye, sir. Mr. Into the mission stage. Right, sir. I never do it, the rope. The if it jerks away from that stump he'll sweep the dick like a broadside. on. You trust the old man. He knows what he's doing, old man. Oh, he does. Where'd oh. oh.
3: go, there. Hoist away, way Hold! Hold! Easy! A fast hoisting! There.
4: There, see that? Clever the old man is. As the boughs went up, so he ups the masterpiece. then when the bow's dropped, he lays off. Oh, nice time, that is. Uh, better not make no mistakes, though. He won't make no mistakes. I've never seen him make one.
0: Oh, then he looked tired
4: of that.
0: He wore out.
4: Dangerous struggle with the mast was over, and it stood vertical at last while the men fished it firmly to the stump of the old mizzen. I was sick with weariness. I'd been on my quarter deck for over eight hours with neither rest nor food, through the stress and labor of the battle. I was beginning to find it difficult to concentrate upon anything, so that Bush had spoken twice before I could force myself to listen. I said, sir, that it's a magnificent piece of work, if you'll allow me to say so, sir. Um, shall I set up the topmast and yards now, sir? I fear it'll be useless to attempt to carry any canvas in this wind and sea, to bush. And then the exhibit is barely in sight now. Uh, just a smudge on the horizon, sir. Aye. Uh, there's not much chance of renewing the action till the wind takes off a bit. Yes, I cannot imagine the Admiralty accepting that statement in a report. But it's true enough, sir we are badly knocked about, and the weather's too rough to carry on the fight. Nevertheless, the report will be received with pitying smiles, Mr. Bush. The excuse is too old, like the uncharted rock which always causes a wreck. The is 10,000 miles away, and they can't judge the strength of this storm from there. If yes, even though I should be accused of cowardice, there's nothing I can do until the weather moderates. No, sir, there's not. But in that case, sir, why not take a rest? You look mortally tired, sir. Indeed you do. Mm. Well, let me send and have a berth screened off you in the wardroom. Little sticks, Mr. Bush. And you who need a rest, dismiss the starboard watch and go below and turn in. While the enemy is in sight, I shall stay on deck. Uh, but, sir, I think... I good. gave you an order, Mr. Bush. Aye, aye, sir. Mm, good fellow, Bush, but uh, a fool. A sentimental fool. He'd treat me like an old woman, if I'd let him. Hmm. So I wonder how Lady Barbara is getting on that. Oh, confounded. He has that idiot of a steward now. Can't anybody leave me alone? Well, Paul Will, what do you want? Well, I've been to attend to the lady, sir. I screened off a bit of the allot for her, sir. The orlop? But the wounded are in there. Well, they're mostly quiet now, sir. No.
0: Well,
3: I
4: couldn't leave her in my cable tear. Oh. I've stung a hammock for her. She's <laughs> she nicked into it like a bird, sir. <laughs> Took a bit of grub, too, in her glass of wine she did. Oh, very good, Paul Wheel. Well, now it stands the reason, sir. A frigate in the sea like this and a battle like before we've had is, well, it's a bit rough on an eyeborn lady. Just confine yourself to facts and keep your opinions to yourself, Paul Wheel. The high-born lady joined this ship of her own free will, knowing that she was about to go into action. Aye, aye, sir. Now, uh, about you, sir... Here's some dry clothes and a chest in the storeroom. <laughs> well, I'm afraid the last broadside done for everything in your cabin. Well, I don't want any dry clothes. Uh, well, of course you don't, sir. I wouldn't suggest it, except in... Well, if your take cold, sir, you won't be fit when we catch it up within the pivot deck. Eh? Will you change
0: up here, sir, or come below? Uh, <clears throat> now, now, look. If I just lash this here chair to the rail, sir, you could sit there when you've changed and have this biscuit and rum, couldn't you, sir? Uh, and this here boat cloak will keep some of the spray off you.
4: But he won't have to leave the deck. I oh, will. you presuming to give me orders? Orders, sir? Me? <laughs> I hope son knows my place, sir.
0: Hmm. It's all right, Mr. Bush, sir. You can turn in now. <laughs> Captain's in his chair and sleeping like a baby, sir. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I must have dozed off. Mm-hmm. What time is it, I wonder? Yeah. Well, impossible. It's after midnight. As black as the Earl of Hell's riding boots. Hmm. feels to me as though the weather's improving. Let's have a look at the binnacle. Ah, Mr. Bush. Wind shifting southerly and moderated, sir. Uh, Wish there's a bit of
1: starlight even.
4: I uh, can't see a thing. The Dividad might be 20 miles away or only 200 yards. Yes, I doubt she's close. She was going away to leeward rapidly when we lost to her. you can have carried out all the repairs she'll need in this weather. What do you think she'll do, sir? Mm, that fellow Crespo, commands is no fool. I believe he'll try to avoid us until he can get into the Gulf of Fonseca and refit. He'd like us to follow him into the Gulf so he'd have the advantage of the shore batteries as well. But he can't make much sail in his crippled condition, sir. But even if he could, the wind is wrong for getting to the gulf. I had observed that fact, Mr. Bush. I believe he will reach far out to sea and claw southwards as far as he can. I shall return to my chair until daylight and attempt to work out what is likely to be his position at dawn. Aye, aye, sir. Morning, sir. The is going down fast, sir, and the wind's taken off. We'll be up in 10 minutes. Yes, we'll make sail, if you please, Mr. Bush. Here is the
2: course you were to
4: sail. But as As I gave the course, I knew that it was sheer guesswork. Every yard I sailed might be away from the Trinidad while she hurried to safety. My heart was heavy with misgiving, for I knew that if I had failed, there would be many who would attribute that failure to incompetence or cowardice. Lifted over the horizon, I paced the quarterdeck with every appearance of unconcern, determined not to allow anyone to guess at the doubts and fears which tormented me. When the light should be sufficient for the masthead lookout to scan the horizon, I might be justified or ruined. Yet even my resolution to remain calm must have wavered when my gloomy thoughts were pierced by a wild cry from aloft.
3: No!
4: We found her, sir. We found her. You are right again, sir. Uh-huh. Look, sir. You can see her from here with the glass. Dead ahead. Yeah. Ah. ah, she's coming round, sir. She's running away. As yes, Crespo wishes to postpone action, he prefers discretion to heroics, and quite rightly, Mr. Bush. However, set every stitch we can carry, send the hands to breakfast. If we engage, there's no telling when they'll eat again, if ever. Aye, aye, sir.
3: Hands to break force
4: we We're gaining, sir. She'll not get away this time. We'll blow her right out of the water. Never underestimate your opponent, Mr. Bush. Those 24-pounders of hers are heavy metal. We have a ship which is leaking like a sieve. has a makeshift rig and is 64 men short. And our firing force is far inferior to her. You think the wind's going to hold, sir? Mm. Seems to me as if the sun's swallowing it. Oh, it's getting mighty hot, too. It'll be just our luck to lose the wind now. I can't trim it more. Hi! You're at the wheel. Oh, here, small blast, year.
3: I can't, sir, begging your pardon. There ain't enough wind.
4: Damn it, he's right. The wind's gone, sir. And over that like sky, it's like brass. But in that deep calm and well out of range. We will tow with the boats. Have the launch and cutter hoisted out. Boats away! Cutter's crew.
3: Launcher's crew. we We're, gone. We're, gone. We're, gone. We're, gone. We're gone.
4: Men you've got a hard task, but it must be done. You've got to pull. Pull till your muscles crack and your hands burst. Now get your clothes off and pull naked. I'll have you relieved in an hour.
3: Now pull. All together, give way. <laughs> Look at that, Mr. Jarrett.
4: That puffer strokes from the tivity. Yes, she carries two long 18s aft. We're going to run the gauntlet of those for the next hour. That was nearer. But about 50 yards of our starboard quarter. Mr. Gerard, ask Mr. Marsh to see what he can do with a long mine on our forecastle. Right, I know it's not much use, but it will cheer the men to feel that we're replying. All right, sir. He's ready and waiting. Very good, Mr. Marsh. Show them some shooting. Stand by, gun crew. Give me the lanyard. Very good. Try again. Here comes some more fellows. <laughs> oh. ah, that one got us just above the waterline. Followed. Oh, well done, Mister Marsh. Right alongside her. up now, sir. About
3: to The boat's pulling her bows
4: round. Yes, Mr. Bush, we shall now have 25 guns trained on us instead of two. She's positioning for a broadside. We shall have some pebbles about our ears there, eh, long lads. Let's show them that Englishmen don't care. <laughs> there, shooting. Not
3: more
4: than two hits. Mr. Galbraith! At the main colored stage, twice directly. Aye, sir, Mr. Bush, at what distance would you would you say she is now? Oh, three parts of a mile, I should say, sir. Uh, so I think. I, I fear our carronades will not be effective at that distance. Relieve we'll the boat screws and see if fresh men can pull us nearer. Aye, aye, sir. It was intolerably hot. The smell of pitch from the deck seams, the bitter tang of powder, and the smell of the blood from the wounded. Combined with my fatigue and anxiety, to make me feel deathly sick. I feared to disgrace myself by being sick in front of the men. They too no longer joked at the guns. They were beginning to sulk under the punishment. It was a bad sign. Sullivan. Sure. Here, Sullivan. You your fiddle. Aye, sir, I have that. Well, that's when we'll have a hornpipe. Benskin, Hall, McAvoy, a hornpipe for me of you, and a guinea for the man that does his best. Aye. On my words, Mr. Gerald, this will be a tale told and retold in years to come, how Captain Hornblower had his ship towed into action with hornpipes being danced on her main deck.
3: Sir, the captain Hornblower, sir. Mr. Howell sent me. Yes, well,
4: starboard side chain pump knocked all to pieces. Well, my boy. Well, he's rigging another one, sir. But it'll be an hour before it works. He told me to tell you the water's gaining a little, sir. Well, very well. Please,
3: sir. There was fourteen men all knocked to smash at the pump. Horrible, sir. I see one man to, Tell no boy
4: i back to Mr. Howell and tell him captain is shorter, well, he will do his best. Oh, I see. There's too much smoke to see properly, but it's my belief we've hit her hard, sir. Confound this smoke. It's like being in a fog. Ah, Crystal, what is it? I think I can feel a very light air blowing. It up. Mm, yes, I believe there is. Uh, ah, look at that. Look, the smoke's blowing away, sir. Whoo! just look at the divvy Charles, Oh,
3: she's a wreck. There's only
4: others not standing. Rigging all round her like a net, and look at that great hole in her side. There's three gunboats planted into one. There. She's low in the water, but she's still fighting by heaven.
3: Oh, we'll be on her soon. The closer we are, the quicker we'll finish it. And stand by for the kill
4: orders. Ah, but with great shots. Look, look at them
3: on the They're going to try and board us. Hell! Here they come, Geronet. Oh, smack it, with.
4: call the coal off, or catch fire, too.
3: And the police!